Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua 14. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Uh, and here in Joshua 14, verse 1, it's very important to remember that, uh, you know, we're looking at the inheritance of the land. Until the end of Joshua, we're looking at the inheritance of the land. But then at the very end of Joshua, it's uh, Joshua's blessing unto the children of Israel. And so we start here in verse 1, Joshua 14, uh, continuing our study uh, in verse 1. These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan which Eleazar the priest. Now, remember, this is the third son of Aaron. Don't forget, remember our study in Exodus and uh, Exodus and uh, uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We see a historical account of things that occurred in the camp of Israel uh, post-Exodus, uh, the journey in the wilderness, um, uh, Nadab and Abihu. Remember when they offered strange fire before the Lord? And the Lord killed them. The Lord, you know, they offered strange fire to the Lord and the Lord killed them with fire. You see, because there's a very, very specific formula to righteousness. A very specific. Now, remember, they were in the priesthood. They're the sons of Aaron uh, in the Levitical priesthood. Now, there's very specific instructions. Now, a hardcore message, message to pastors to teachers, to elders, to overseers. A very, very hardcore message because when you serve the Lord, listen, when the Lord calls you to serve Him in that capacity as pastor, teacher, overseer, elder, in that capacity of ministry, you better make sure you're following the formula. You better make sure you're following the formula. See, it's not a popularity contest. It's not a popularity contest at all in any way, shape, or form. You better make sure you're following the recipe as outlined in Holy Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, because any deviation, you need to repent and get right with the Lord. And if you don't, you know, we're talking like, you know, lake of fire, you know, territory. There's a lot of preachers and pastors and ministers that are going to be in very big trouble. Remember, you know, Jesus even speaks of them and says, you know, many will come to me in that day saying, you know, we, 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 we did all these things in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We, we did all these things in your name. And, it, you know, for someone to cast out demons, you know, you see that the demon is responding to Jesus in the name of Jesus. But at the same time, you also see a deviation away from Jesus in these vessels where ultimately when they're standing before the Lord and they say, but we did all these things in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You worker of iniquity. You see, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, if you're an elder, there's a very, very, very specific formula and a very specific recipe. Because, you know, when in the law, when it is given, you know, this, this, uh, you know, offerings unto the Lord and when Nadab and Abihu, when they didn't follow the recipe, the Bible calls it, the Lord refers to it as strange fire. It might look like fire, but you know what? There's something off. You see? And what happened? The Lord judged them, killed by fire. 
See, a lot of times pastors, you know, pastors and teachers, it's like, well, you know, I I, I want people to feel good about themselves. And so I'm not going to go hardcore. Or, you know, I want people to feel good about themselves. So I'm not going to teach this. I'm going to candy coat this. I'm going to candy coat that. You know what that is? That's manipulation. Manipulation of, you know, unto the people, but manipulation of the word of God. You cannot do that. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a teacher, you cannot do that. You must not do that. Because if you do, hello, strange fire. And when we get into strange fire ter- territory, hello, lick a fire. You see? If the Lord called you to serve him in that capacity, be obedient to him and to him alone. Now, you know, there's a specific recipe for that. But what comes of that, it's not pretty. I mean, it's it's pretty and beautiful in the life to come. But in the here and now, don't expect to be Mr. Popular. And I say Mr. Popular on purpose because if you're pastor or elder, always male. Always male. But if you're a teacher, you know, teacher unto like women, you're female. Don't expect to be Mrs. Popular or Miss Popular because, you know, the marriage unto Jesus hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you see? It's pending for all of us. Don't expect to be Mr. Popular. Don't expect to be Miss Popular. You see, it's very important, you know. And so now we have Eleazar, the priest, and the children of Israel here in verse 1. They're inheriting the land of Canaan, which in verse 1 says, which Eleazar, the priest, Joshua, the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. So now you see the leadership unto Joshua, and they're fulfilling their duties. And you see with Joshua, the heads and the high priests, and they're performing these duties as outlined by Moses, whom was instructed by the Lord. You see? How it passes from the Lord to Moses, Moses to Joshua, Joshua to the elders, you know, and the elders to the people. Everything lines up, everything in obedience to the Lord. That's not to say that everything emanates from Moses, but a large chunk does When in terms of Torah, in terms of law and statutes. It's not to say that Joshua can't have his own relationship with the Lord because he absolutely does. But the Lord, you know, it's like dominoes, you know, not when you know, you, you, you play dominoes like the actual rules of dominoes, but like, you know, how most people play dominoes is, you know, line them up, <laughs> line them up and, you know, you push it and then the dominoes fall. It's like that, the domino effect. How things are put in motion, you know, how, you know, the first domino would be like Moses, you know, the first domino in terms of the law and in terms of instruction. The first domino would be Moses, you know, and then the second would be Joshua. And then the next would be like the the uh, uh, the elders and leadership. It's like the domino effect. But then at the same time, it's not to say that each individual domino can't have their own relationship with the Lord because it absolutely happens. But just like the formula that has to be right in the leadership and the formula has to be right. Right in the elders and the priesthood, in the Levitical priesthood and the Kohanim. Well, the formula has to be right in the people too, in their capacity. Because in the camp, you have all kinds of different tribes. Well, you know, 12, but you have these, you know, these tribes of Israel. And in the tribes, you have, you know, certain uh, uh, families. And then at the same time, that the formula has to be right in each individual person. Male, female, young, old, but not in the capacity of, 
you know, Kohanim, not in the capacity of a, a, a Levite, but in the capacity of obedience unto the Lord. Because I mean, look at look at Achan. I mean, if you remember our study from Joshua seven, the formula was right in the camp of Israel. The formula was right when uh, 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 when they took Jericho, and you see victory. But then something happened between Jericho and Ai. Something happened where there was perversion that entered the camp. And that was through Achan. Disobedience unto the Lord. When I say perversion, I mean perversion away from truth. How did that happen? Well, you see the seduction. The seduction where, you know, Achan sees like, wow, you look, I got this, I can have this, I can have that, I can have this. And yes, it would be so nice and I can, you know, you know have, have uh, uh, increase my assets. So I'm going to take this. And he knew it was wrong. Why? Because he hid it. It was hidden. He knew it was wrong. And nobody knew except the Lord. Achan and the Lord. And all of a sudden, Israel starts to lose their battles, lose their fights. They take casualties. You see, sad. It's terribly sad. So when we look at formula, you know, I'll keep saying formula and recipe till I'm blue in the face. Formula, formula, formula. Among the priesthood, yes, but also with the people. Achan wasn't a priest. Achan wasn't a priest. You see? But there was a formula that was... I want to say expected of him, but at the same time, it's a choice. You see? Now, in a church setting, in the camp of the church, there's a formula for pastors. There's a formula for elders and ministry leaders and teachers. There's a formula. And then there's a formula for the people, for the saints, for the pews. In sanctuary, very specific formula in accordance to Holy Scripture. Now, when we look at Holy Scripture, we must understand the covenants and the rules of engagement herein. Old Testament, Old Covenant, New Testament, New Covenant, and the rules of engagement in each covenant in accordance to each covenant. The old interpreting the new, the new interpreting the old. And then we have the full counsel of the Word of God. You see? And how, you know, these dominoes, you hear me say like Moses, Joshua, the elders, and you think about all these dominoes. Well, the dominoes, they're still in play. You and me. You and me. Dominoes are still in play. You see? It's so beautiful when you, when you just break it down so simple. It doesn't have to be hard. It isn't hard at all. The problem is there's not a lot of teachers. I mean, you, there's, you, I teach from America. If you're listening and you're not in America, you know, I consider you my brother and my sister, you know, depending, you know, provided you believe in the Lord. But we like to complicate things. And it's not hard at all. The Word of God is spiritually discerned. It's super, super, super simple. But where are the teachers? To instruct. Where are the teachers? Where are the pastors? Where are the elders? Where are the teachers? The ministry leaders? Those who the Lord has called to teach His Word. The faithful servants that He has called. Not people who said, well, you know, I want to I feel good about myself. I'm going to do good for my community. So I think I'm going to be pastor and make people feel good about themselves. 
Listen, when you're in Christ, the only way you're going to feel good about yourself, which, you know, I want and you want, we all want, but the only way that's going to happen is with obedience. It's the only way. Because if you're disobedient, you're going to feel like dirt. You're walking with the Lord, you're going to feel like on cloud nine. And you're going to have the the, 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 the the persecution because, you know, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have that persecution. You're not going to be Mr. Popular. You're not going to be Mrs. Popular or Miss Popular, I should say. That's not going to happen. We're at enmity with the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And when I say we're at enmity, now if you're not a believer, you're like, what? This guy's enmity with me? This guy, this guy hates me? No, 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 no. I love you. If you're not a believer, I love you. Now, understand that I want for you, if you're an unbeliever, I want today for you to be the day of salvation. That's what I desire. That's what I want. And that's what I want for you. But I can't make that choice for you. You have to make it for yourself. And if that's you and you want to commit your life to Christ, hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. Do exactly follow those instructions. Come back, listen, and we continue on our journey together. But I can't force that upon you. I can tell you. I can urge you to. I can't. I mean, if you're listening, you're not a believer. I mean, even if you are a believer, you can just listen and say, okay, I'm done. These instructions in righteousness, it's... It's so simple. It's super easy. Remember Paul? I mean, when Peter speaks of Paul, he says, listen, this guy knows his stuff. I mean, he knows his complicated stuff. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of what he says. He says, listen, these, you know, Paul speaks of things which are hard to understand. But when you read Paul's letters and you understand the works of his hands and the works of his feet, the steps of his feet and how the Lord is using him and the power of the spirit that's in him. And when he breaks it down, it's like, wow, it's so simple. Be so beautiful. You know, when you remember the, when, when Paul was teaching and preaching the, it wasn't, it wasn't like the church at large, but it was like a smaller group, like an inner circle. And he was like teaching all night long. He's teaching all night long and he was teaching so long that a guy fell asleep at the window and fell out the window. Remember a study in the book of Acts when that happened? And you figure, okay, the guy fell out the window, you know, and the, the Lord revived him again. And he, okay, let's, you know, take him home, take him, let him see a doctor, you know, let him see a doctor, you know, hey, Dr. Luke, come check out this guy. Dr. Luke, he says, okay, he's good to go. He needs his rest. And you figure, okay, we're done. We're going to adjourn now. We're done. And everybody go home and, you know, sleep well and sweet dreams. But no, you know what Paul says? Hey, let's go back. We're going to keep on teaching. We're going to keep on understanding so we can have this instruction. And all night long, he was teaching the word of God. That's awesome. <laughs> I'd love to be there and just hear and listen and grow and mature in Christ and have this understanding, gaining this knowledge, not to not to be puffed up, but to gain this knowledge, like, you know, to be thoroughly equipped, not just equipped, but thoroughly equipped. It's powerful. It's so beautiful. And it's so simple. The problem is that people like to make things complicated. The religious establishment. In the Old Testament, the religious establishment made it complicated. Now, here in, 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 in the book of Joshua, under the leadership of Joshua and the, the elders, very beautiful. Remember, leadership matters. 
It's very beautiful. But what happens when Joshua and the elders die, that next generation of leadership, things go south quite fast. People forget the Lord. And then you start to see passages where the Bible refers to their harlotry. You become the harlot. Leadership matters. So that the people can know these instructions and the people can be clean and pure before the Lord. But understand, only the clean can clean. Only the pure can purify. You see? Where hypocrisy is, the hypocrite cannot clean. The hypocrite cannot purify. You see? This isn't like, you know, hey, we're going to study geometry. You know, open up your textbook and we're going to study geometry. You know, this isn't like, you know, English Lit 101. This is, hey, open up your English Lit book, you know, and we're going to study English. This isn't academia. This is holiness unto the Lord. And the Word of God is spiritually discerned. The Spirit knows. Remember, God knows those who are His. I mean, have you ever been in a church and you're sitting there and you're like so hungry for the word and, you know, the formula's right and the pastor, the formula's right in the sanctuary and you're there and you're listening and it's like, it's so beautiful and what's happening in your heart of hearts and your mind and your body and the temple of the Lord and what is happening inside of you, you're growing, you're maturing, you're learning, you're, you're understanding deeper spiritual things and it's, it's just, it's, it's, you're soaking up as a sponge, this new wine that pours from new wine skin, and it's so lovely. But then you happen to glance over and you see the guy's falling asleep, another guy's falling asleep. You look over, another lady's falling asleep. You look over, you know, a guy's, you know, checking his phone, doing some work on his phone. You look over at people having a conversation. You see, no one, no one can force that sponge. It's you and me in humility before the Lord. We have to choose to soak up the word of God. And the Lord knows those who are his. Now, it's not to suggest, like, you know, if, you, if you're in church and you fall asleep, it's not to say, okay, you fall asleep, you're going to burn in hell. Not to suggest that. You might have had a, had a long night of work the night before. But if you go to church and it's like that a regular thing for you to sleep in church, it's like, okay, stay at home and, you know, sleep in bed. You see? We're not Christians. We don't, we don't learn obedience through osmosis. You see, we have to soak up the word of God. That's why you hear us say from time to time, make the pages white. Make the pages white, every jot, every tittle, going off the pages of scripture into your eyes and into your heart and into the temple of the Lord so that you can learn and you can grow. You see? And if you're like a young believer or even like an adolescent believer or even mature believer, you know, and you still don't have these deep understandings, it's like, well, wait a second. What does the Bible say? That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
You see, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's the spirit of the Lord and the seal of the spirit. That's how he works. But you see, attributes of these very things, even in the Old Testament. I mean, it's, it's identical in the Old Testament. When you hear me say, you know, attributes of these very same, same things in the Old Testament, well, it's passed on generation to generation to generation, just like it is today. But we're so spoiled today. You know why? Because Pericletus, the Holy Spirit, the Helper. And so we see here in verse 2, their inheritance was by lot. Now, I like, I like it and I don't like it to explain lot like rolling the dice. I, I, you know, I, I explain it like that, but I don't like explaining it like that because, you know, it's like, well, is it a gamble? No, it's not a gamble. It's not a gamble at all. But, you know, when you hear, you know, casting lots and doing things by lot and, you know, uh, th th that's how it was. It was almost it, very sim similar to rolling the dice. But I don't like saying rolling the dice because it's not a gamble. But, you know, whenever I teach people, like, you know, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's like very similar to rolling the dice, but it's not rolling the dice. Because what I love about that is that eliminates the carnal favoritism. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. It's complete and total reliance on the Lord. Casting lots. Complete and total reliance on the Lord with no favoritism. God is no respecter of persons. The Lord doesn't care if you're rich or poor. The Lord doesn't care, you know, you know, if you're handsome or ugly or, you know, or, you know, if you're like beautiful or ugly. The Lord doesn't care because, you know, what beauty, beauty, now I say ugly or beautiful, carnally speaking, spiritually speaking, there is absolutely, I tell you the truth, there is absolutely nothing more beautiful, handsome, gorgeous, exquisitely, wonderfully beautiful than righteousness. I mean, 25 years ago, if you were to say like, hey, you know, who do you think are the most beautiful women? You know, I would say this, 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 and you'd be like, okay, you know, I get where you're coming from. And it would be very carnal, very fleshy. But today, if you say, hey, who are the most beautiful women you know? I'd say, no, if you were to say, who are the most beautiful people you know? It wouldn't be just women. It would be men and women. And then when I say, okay, this guy, this guy, this lady, this lady, this lady, you would think I'm blind. Every single one of you would say, this guy's blind. He's out of his mind. Because that's not, that's not beautiful. That's not even pretty. That's not even whatever. But the Lord gives us a different set of eyes. The Lord gives us a different set of eyes. And I tell you the truth, that there's nothing more beautiful than righteousness. Nothing. Some of the most beautiful people I know. Very old, very wrinkly, some of them chubby, actually the majority of them chubby. If you're listening, I love you. <laughs> The majority wrinkly. <laughs> if you're listening, you're like, hey, is it talking about me? I, I love you. But there's nothing more beautiful than righteousness. 
I like, you know, you see a bride, you know, on her wedding day and she prepares for her wedding and even before the wedding, not, not even the wedding day, even before, you know, she doesn't eat, you know, certain things. It's, you know, she got to fit her wedding dress, you know, she gets her, her wedding dress before and she, you know, make sure she eats right, you know, make sure that dress fits on the wedding day and it's the morning of the wedding day and, you know, the makeup and making herself beautiful for the groom. It's her wedding day. How much more are you and me? How much more are you and me unto the bridegroom? You see? The beautification process. I, I say process, but I don't like saying process. Just like, you know, like, you know, you know, with the, with the casting lots, you know, I say uh, rolling dice, but I don't like saying rolling dice. The beautification process, we'll say. I don't like that word, but we'll say it because it's holy. It's the work of the Spirit. And understand, you know, the work of the Spirit, it's not just like, okay, it's the work of the Spirit. I'm going to take a back seat and let him do his thing. No. It's the work of the Spirit, but you and I must yield to the Lord. You and I must humble ourselves. And yield to the Lord. And the Lord knows those who are His. And by the power of the Holy Spirit is the beautification process. Preparation for the wedding. Our wedding. You and me as the bride of Christ. But then today you have people, oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that like you see in the book of Acts. You know what you see? Well, I'll put it another way. You know what you don't see? You don't see beautification. I mean, when you look at the fruit, you do not see beautification. You see? You'll, you'll, you'll see study Bibles. You'll see like, you know, a stack of New York Times bestsellers. You see, you'll see somebody who is always learning, but as the Bible says, never able to come to the truth because the Lord knows those who are his. The sad part is some people even say, well, the, 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 the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. And I'm of the elect. It's like a, a double error, a double wrong. Well, the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. And look, I'm of the elect. Because, you know, I didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose me. They twist the scriptures. I'm of the elect. When the Holy Spirit knows the elect, the Lord knows those who are his as it is written. But there's a very specific formula. Eklegomai. You know, I, you know, you didn't choose me. I chose you. That's what the Lord says. Eklegomai. But don't forget, you 12 I have chosen, but one of you is a devil. Jesus chose a devil? Yes. Eklegomai. 
You see? Oh, but that's so that scripture can be fulfilled. Amen. What other scriptures can be fulfilled? In you and in me. You see? It's so simple. It's so simple. And yet we complicate it. Where are the teachers? Where are the pastors? Where? We're living in very, very perilous times. Very, very dangerous times. Each day I grow even more terrified for the church. Well, scratch that. Each day I grow more terrified for the saints. For the saints. Because you know what saints are doing? They're submitting themselves to pastors who have no business being pastors. And by doing so, they're learning craziness. They're learning things that are false. I mean, do you remember our marriage chapters and when we were in uh, Ephesians 5 and 6? Where, you know, it's like, you know, we kind of have a uh, an ebb and flow of our studies, you know. And then all of a sudden when it comes to like the men and the women and husbands and wives and children and then back to men, you know. There was like a, a moment of time where the Lord, you know, paused us. And we had some deep studies on those things, you know, for wives to submit to your husbands. And yes, it's beautiful to submit to your husbands, but that formula in submission to your husband, it better be right. In you, women, married women, and also for the husband. I mean, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, what is he talking about? Listen to those studies. Listen to those studies from Ephesians 5 and 6. The same way with pastors. Yes, it's beautiful to submit to a pastor, but that formula, which is written. Remember, the Lord leaked the letters. The Lord leaked the pastoral epistles so that you and I can know what it, what are the biblical qualifications for the pastor. What are the biblical, biblical qualifications for the teacher, the pastor, the shepherd? You see? And when you see that in a man... Male. Covering's always male. When you see that, you know it is safe to submit to such a man. Because he's going to take you to paradise. Anybody can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Anybody can say that. But to do it, that's dangerous. You see? You better make sure that formula is right. I mean, say, for example, you call for an Uber. You know, you call for an Uber. You call a cab or, you know, you pick up your phone and you do the Uber deal. And then the Uber guy comes and he's like drunk. He's, you know, a crackhead. And you, you see, like, the car's falling apart, you know, and he can barely keep his eyes open. And he's just like a zombie. And he says, hey, you know, I'm here to pick you up. Are, are you getting in a car with that guy? Are you? Because, you know, you put on the Uber app, you put, you know, I want to go from here to there. I want to go from point A to point B, and you put it on the app. I want to get to point B. And the driver knows, okay, you know, he, she, she wants to get to point B. He wants to get to point B. And he pulls up, and, you know, he's drunk. His, you know, everything's just shot, and he just, he looks crazy. His breath smells like alcohol, and, you know, the whole nine yards. And he says, hey, get in the car. I'm going to take you where you need to go. Get in the car. Who's the dummy? 
I mean, he made his choice. But if you get in that car, oh, I'm going to take you to point B. You get in that car. Well, who is the fool? I love you. I don't, I don't, I'm, you know, sometimes I speak and it's like, you know, people are like, oh, you shouldn't say it like this. You shouldn't say it. Why not? Why not? I'm not cursing. We're just, we're just being point blank. That's it. Who's the fool in that situation? The guy made his choice. He did his drugs, he did his alcohol, you know, whatever. Who's the fool to get into that car? He made his choice. He's not going to get to point B. He's, he's going to crash. He's going to drive off a cliff. It is dangerous for you to get in that car. But for the person who gets in that car, who's the fool? It's the exact same with pastors. They might say they're going to get you to heaven. They're going to teach you the ways of righteousness. They might say it. They can say it all they want. But there's a very, very specific formula that you and I need to look for. Biblical qualifications for pastor. You see? The Lord leaked the letters, the pastoral epistles. It's the exact same. Exact same. In the Old Testament, how the Lord speaks to Moses, and then Moses gives to Joshua, and you see the fidelity of these faithful shepherds unto the Lord, and how the Lord has used them. I mean, the Lord says, you know, to, to Moses, you know, Moses do this, Moses do that, Moses say this, Moses say that. And when you, I love the interaction, you know, and we mentioned this in our studies through Torah. And I love the interaction, how, you know, the Lord would speak to Moses. And then, you know, the next chapter, you know, the next set of quotes, you know, you'd see like, quote, you know, the Lord says, quote, and then you see, end quote. And then you see, and then Moses says to the people, quote. And it's almost identical. I mean, it's identical, but when I say it's almost identical, you know, there might be some variations of, you know, a the might not be there or, you know, a, an it might not be there. You know, little variations. I, I, I teach from the New King James Version. And I love it so much because what the Lord says, Moses gives to the people. You do not see deviation where the Lord says this. You know, the Lord says ABC, Moses says ABC. It's not where the Lord says one, two, three, and Moses says, you know, eight, nine, ten. No. The Lord says one, two, three. Moses says one, two, three. Moses says to Joshua, one, two, three. Joshua teaches one, two, three. You see how it passes? Just like the domino effect, the good dominoes. The Lord says to Moses, one, two, three. Moses says to Joshua, one, two, three. Joshua says to his people in that generation, one, two, three. Fidelity in that line of dominoes. Fidelity. The elders, Joshua to the elders. What did the elders say? One, two, three. From God to Moses, from Moses to Joshua, from Joshua to the elders. And it's so beautiful. And so we see this, you know, this in verse two here in Joshua 14, the inheritance was by lot. 
I mean, there's no favoritism. Imagine, you know, it's like, okay, you know, hey guys, you know, hey, 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 uh, you know, we're going to gather the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And okay, you, you know, you, you choose your lots. And I, when I say lots, I don't mean lot like a lot. I mean a lot like a plot of land. You choose your territory. You see how, how that opens up the carnal? It's like, oh, you know, I, I like how they, you know, it, it's already green over here. So I know the land is good. I want that land. Or this land, look, I get a nice view from, 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 from this mountaintop. I can have a nice view. I want that land. And then people fight over it and, you know, yeah, things get out of hand. When you introduce this, this room for carnality, when you leave room for the flesh, when you leave room for the carnal nature. But when you cast lots, it's like, okay, look at this land. Okay, we're going to cast a lot. Okay, this is your land. Boom, boom, boom. Cast lots. Okay, this is your land. You know, no room for favoritism. Or, you know, you can't see where, you know, somebody, uh, uh, not to suggest anything, not to suggest, you know, heresy here, but, you know, what if there was a, a rich guy who, you know, slipped some cash flow to, you know, one of the leaders? Hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, slide you over some bills and, you know, you can, you know, make, I, want, I want that lot of land over there. Not to suggest that that happened here at this particular juncture. Under the leadership of Joshua and the elders, it's everything's on point. It's beautiful. You see, there was an Achan in Joshua 7, but Achan's been taken care of. And when I say Achan's been taken care of, it's not like, okay, you know, Achan made his choice. Okay, boom, Achan, you're dead. No, Achan made his choice, and there are provisions in the law for Achan to be right with the Lord, but Achan made his choice in not doing those precise things. And God is reactionary. Okay, you look, Achan, you had your opportunity. And since you didn't do that, Achan, okay. Now we have to execute the justice portion of the law. You see? There's a justice portion of the law. Don't forget, when we, when we consider the law, you know, a lot of times people think, okay, all these rules, you know, rules for this, rules this, rules that. And yes, there's a lot of rules. I'm not advocating the law in saying this. But don't forget, there's a justice side of the law. And when that is carried out, if a person isn't right in accordance to the law, that person, that you know, we're talking death. The justice portion of the law. And the law is still in effect. But there is a people, there are a people who are not subject to the law. It is Christians. Christians. And when I say Christians, it's not a blanket statement. Like, you know, every single Christian is not subject to the law. No, there are Christians who have exited Jesus Christ. You'd say, well, if that's the case, they're not Christians anymore. Bingo. We're talking Laodicea. But there are Christians who have exited Jesus Christ. And where there's exit of Jesus Christ, you are no longer abiding in Christ. And if you're no longer abiding in Christ, you are under the law, which is still in effect. You see, and if, you know, if I'm describing you and you're like, oh my goodness, that's scary. Yes, it's scary. You need to repent and get back in Jesus Christ. The law is still in effect. 
It's only Christians who are not under the law. And when I say Christians, it's those who are choosing to abide in Christ. And don't forget, the Lord says, abide in me and I in you. When you abide in Christ, you are not under the law. Let me listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand more. You know, you hear me say this from time to time, you know, listen to these studies, listen to these studies, but, you know, we have resources, you know, I don't want to, this isn't like, you know, I don't like to like, you know, uh, break things here, but, you know, thewayunderground.com, go there, there's all the resources there. How to mature in Christ, how to grow in Christ, how to have this understanding. It's very important because we're living in very dangerous times. I'm terrified for the saints. I'm terrified for you. I love you, but I'm terrified for you. And I pray for you, but I'm still terrified for you. I'm terrified for saints. Because what's coming isn't pretty. It's not pretty. And the vast majority of Christians aren't prepared for what's coming. And some Christians, oh, we're going to be raptured out of here. We're going to be raptured out of here. You see, I do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture because it's not in the Bible. You see? So in verse 2, we see the inheritance. It's by, it's by lot. No, no favoritism here. And it's as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. This is from our study in Numbers 33. Remember, the command was given to divide by lot. For the nine tribes and the half tribe. In verse 3, for Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half tribe on the other side of the Jordan. But to the Levites, he had given no inheritance among them. You see? You figure, well, wait a second. How come there is no inheritance to the Levites? Did the Lord leave them out? Yes, he left them out, but for a reason. Because for the Levites, the priesthood, and among the Levites, you have the Kohanim. For the priesthood, who have a very specific responsibility. I mean, for Israel to be clean, it's from the workmanship of the priesthood. They have a job to do. They have a responsibility to do. And for the Levites... Feast or famine of the Levites and the priesthood was directly proportional to the purity of Israel. I mean, that's hardcore, but I love it. I love it. Feast or famine unto the priesthood. It's directly proportional to the purity of Israel because Israel, when the formula is right in the camp of Israel, you're going to see... Feast for the priests. They're going to have their, you know, their assets. They're going to have their meals to eat. They're going to, and when I say assets, it's not like, you know, a, a, a carnal, like, you know, hey, let's, let's get rich and have our bank accounts and do this and that. And okay, let's, you know, it, it's nothing like that. But when I say they're going to have their assets, it's, you know, for, for their next generation of children, you know, so they can pass on to the next generation and they can raise up, uh, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about, you know, going to work so they can pay a mortgage. They don't have to go worry about going to work so they can buy food. No, everything's supplied by an obedient Israel, a pure Israel, a pure people. You see, their job, the priesthood job is 
the duties of the priests for Israel to be clean. You see, and don't forget the promises of God's blessings unto obedience. I mean, you're obedient to the Lord? Okay. I don't want to sound like this is a sales pitch or anything, but I mean, you're obedient to the Lord? Okay, you know, this is what's in store for the obedient. And the Lord lays it out in Torah. You see? But with corruption... With corruption, there can still be feast, which seems good and seems right. With corruption, there can still be feast, but there's a problem. No God. You see? And when that happens, what follows is the curse. Remember our study in Deuteronomy, the blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience? There's plenty of room. And the, the Levites, they have no inheritance. You know, the, the, the law specifically states, you're Levite? Okay, there's no inheritance for you. And you think like, wow, the Lord left them out. Yes, he did. But I love that he did. Because their inheritance is, it's based on the cleanliness and purity of Israel. Because as Israel is, the people are blessed of the Lord. There's provisions in the law to where, you know, portions of this land, you know, these animals, it's for the priesthood. You see how everything just trickles down? Righteousness trickles down. When everything is right, when the formula is right, leadership under, you know, Israel under the leadership of Joshua, beautiful. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. They had their Achan. And Achan had his opportunities. But Achan died. You see? And because Achan was a covering, you know who else died? His kids. There's no account on whether his wife was killed. I happen to believe that she was not killed. But put yourself in her sandals. Wakes up in the morning, hears the pitter-patter of her children walking, hears the laughs, breakfast time, everybody's there at the meal, she goes to bed at night, empty house, everybody's dead, the justice portion of the law. You see? Why? Dumb husband. You see? I mean, sometimes, uh, why do you say dumb husband? Well, what, what, is he a smart husband? Wise husband? No, no, we, I can't. He wasn't. He was dumb. He made his choice. He was the idiotes without understanding. I can't even say he was idiotes. In one sense, I can. But he knew what he was doing. Because he took other stuff and then he hid it. Why? If he didn't know, why did he hide it? If he didn't know, why didn't he just, you know, put everything on full display? Hey, look, you know, I got this, I got that, and look how awesome I am. If he didn't know, why didn't he just put it out on full display? He hid it. He knew he was in the wrong. 
And the Lord knew. Nobody else knew. But the Lord knew. Remember when Joshua was praying to the Lord and the Lord's like, you know, why are you praying? There's sin in the camp. You see? And then the process that the Lord gave to Joshua for that sin to be revealed. Family by family, you know, tribe by tribe, family by family. And in the course of time, just like a TSA checkpoint. In the course of time, you know, everybody goes through green light. Green light. This guy goes through green light. You know, uh, you know, the, the, everybody, get, young guy, old guy, green light, green light, green light. Finally comes Aiken. You know, step one, step two, step three, step right here, Aiken. Boom, red light. This is the man. Refusal to repent. Don't forget, Israel took casualties because of Aiken. Dead husbands. Dead dads. Dead comrades. Because of Achan. One guy. Because he wasn't, he chose not to get right with the Lord. You know, remember, you know, the shower, you know, we're not the soap, we're not the water, but we got to get in the shower. Achan didn't do that. In accordance to the law, he didn't do that. Okay. He made his choice to disobey the Lord. Now, it's the time of justice for Achan. Who's under Achan? Who, who is Achan a covering for? Who is Achan a covering for? Kids. Okay. Achan. Sons of Achan, daughters of Achan. Okay, stand over there. Boom, stoning. You see, I'm not advocating stoning in any way, shape, or form. But in the law is death. And when justice of the law is carried out to those who are not right with the Lord is death. The wages of sin is death. The law is still in effect. But biblically, there is only one who can perform the justice end of the law. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. Everybody else is disqualified. They disqualify themselves. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is only one who is able to cast the first stone. To cast any stone. And he doesn't do it. Yet. He doesn't do it yet because it's a time of grace and mercy. The door of grace and mercy is open. But he is coming to judge. That day is coming. The justice end of the law, it is coming. The only way you're safe is when you're abiding in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, if you're listening and you're like, you know, I've never heard it broken down like that. And then you realize, like, oh my goodness, like, I'm in trouble. You're right. If you're outside of Jesus Christ, you are in trouble. It's not to say, okay, you know, nice to meet you. It's, you know, doesn't sound so good to be in your situation. Okay, see you later. No. But I say unto you, jump ship. Whatever ship you're on, jump that ship. And welcome aboard.
You see? Repent. Believe in Jesus Christ. Repent. There is a better way to life. And Jesus is the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I'm just the messenger. I don't make the rules. He made the rules. I'm just the messenger. You see? And so, you know, understand that, you know, yes, here in verse 3, the Levites, they don't have inheritance. It's based on the obedience of the people. Now, what happens? That, that's under Joshua. What happens is that you have the priesthood where they become establishment priesthood. You know, like the uh, the establishment priesthood where, you know, because they have a responsibility to clean, when, pe- when Israel forgets the Lord, all of a sudden the priesthood, they become the kingmakers, shall we say. All of a sudden the Lord becomes forgotten. And then the people in order, you know, they think they're right with the Lord. But what's happening is that they're not right with the Lord. The Lord becomes forgotten, but they start doing what the priests tell them. Because they lose sight of formula. And then the priests start amassing all this wealth and riches. And and then the priests start telling them, okay, this is what you have to do to be right. This is what you have to do to be clean. This is what you got to do. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, give me some food. Give me some money. Give me some land. And the Lord becomes forgotten, but the people, Israel, the camp, the tribes, they start doing what the priests say. And by doing that, they forget the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Do you know how dangerous it is to do what a pastor says? You know, that you, you can't just do that to any run of the mill the guy's got the pastor parking spot the guy you know has the name tag look i am head pastor he looks like a pastor he speaks like a pastor but biblically speaking that ain't no pastor a very specific formula and people are doing what pastors say people are doing what denominations say people are doing what sects say but if it is Outside of what the Bible teaches. Number one, you're in trouble. Number two, that's how the Lord becomes forgotten. You say, okay, you're taking this too far. Prophetically speaking, that's what the Bible says will happen. Apostasy. It is exactly, precisely what the Bible says will happen. You look around today and what do we see happening? Apostasy. Apostasy isn't coming. Apostasy is here. The Lord becomes forgotten. Just like what happened in the camp of Israel. The Lord becomes forgotten. The church becomes Laodicea. Where Jesus Christ is on the outside and not the inside. You see? That's what happens. It pains me. It breaks my heart. Because, you know, we have this backdrop of Torah. We have this base plate of Torah. And so now we're, you know, the first book after the Torah, Joshua. 
But future books, it's going to be very painful. Very painful. Because you're going to see what happens when the Lord is forgotten. And it's going to break your heart. It breaks my heart. It might break your heart. I hope it breaks your heart. I mean, not, not I hope it breaks your heart so we can feel like dirt. No, I hope it breaks your heart so that we can learn. Remember, Paul says, these things of old were written for our, for our admonition, for our warning. And I hope it breaks your heart so that you can learn. Listen, I don't want to break the Lord's heart. I don't want you to break the Lord's heart. You can say to me, I don't want you to break the Lord's heart. We can say among each other as the ecclesia, I don't want any of us to break the Lord's heart. So let us all be obedient. Choose obedience unto the Lord in accordance to his word. See? Now we have under the leadership of Joshua. Remember, leadership matters. You have this period of inheritance. And remember, it's not because you're awesome. Remember, Moses says to the people, you are a stiff-necked people. It's not because of you. It is because of their wickedness. Remember Deuteronomy 9? And so we see here in verse 14, for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh and Ephraim. If you've been walking with us for a while and you remember our studies in the book of Genesis, you know, the children of a Gentile wife. This is, you know, uh, Joseph who was Zaphnath-Paneah with his Gentile wife. Manasseh and Ephraim, for my Jewish friends whom I love, my rabbinical friends whom I love, Talmudic friends whom I love, Manasseh and Ephraim were blessed first. And I love you. You're Jewish? I love you. Sometimes, you know, I have these conversations conversations with Jews. Say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I go, kind of roll their eyes or kind of look concerned because, you know, great, what is this guy going to say? Is he going to, is he going to say what, you know, yeah, what, what, uh, the, the, uh, coalition says and God is done with Israel? Is he going to say what, you know, the Piper guy says and he, God is done with Israel? Is he going to say this, you know, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic? No. They'll say it. You know, if there's, if you're Jewish, I, I get it. There's plenty of room for you to be concerned or, you know, even kind of, you know, very concerned and cautious with Christians. The apostate Christian is very dangerous to Jews. The apostate Christian is very dangerous to Jews. But the saint who abides in Jesus Christ, that's like, I'll say a match made in heaven, but you know, we'll get there eventually. I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know, we'll get there eventually. But if you're Jewish, I love you. Manasseh and Ephraim were blessed first. And I don't say that like, you know, ha ha ha. I say that like, let's understand. Let's understand. Before Joseph was known by the brothers in the tribes, before Joseph was known by the brothers, his Gentile wife knew him. And for my Jewish friends, I love you. But we need to understand what the scriptures teach. We need to understand what Torah teaches. In verse 4, he continues, he says, And they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property. You see, when done right, in accordance to very specific blueprints, it's beautiful. 
when it's done wrong, very ugly, very bad. You see? It's how, you know, you, you see like, you know, the Lord speaks of Israel, you know, I am your God and you are my people. And it's like, wow, this is so beautiful. Absolutely. 100% cloud nine. This is beautiful and glorious. But then all of a sudden, when the Lord says, you have played the harlot. Whoa. Whoa. What happened? Exactly. What happened? The Lord became forgotten. Look at the church, you know, like, oh, it's so beautiful. But then for the church to become apostate, the Lord became forgotten. You see? Oh, how dare you say that? Look, I'm a Christian. Look, I follow what this pastor says. Let me see the pastor. Who is he? Oh, it's not a he, it's a she. Okay, that's, you know, the little check mark on the bad side. Okay, that's wrong, not wrong formula. What does she teach? You see? You know, she teaches that God is love, okay? How, tell me about that. What is God? Oh, so, you know, God is love. So, you know, guy can marry guy. Lady can marry lady. Okay, check mark. Wrong. Bad formula. Boom. Oh, but she's so nice. She's so nice. And I like her. She's not boring. You know, she teaches for just 30 minutes. You know, you know, on a, on a, that's a long day. You know, on a good day, it's like 15 minutes long. God is love. God is love. You see, and the Bible says I have to submit to the pastor. So I'm submitting to her. She's the pastor. What's the same as the cabbie? It's the same as the, uh, the, the, the uh, Uber. Uber. It's the exact same. Uber guy comes up. Crackhead, you know, the whole nine yards strung out. Little tiny pupils. He's just all strung out. Beads of sweat on his forehead. He can't even make eye contact. He just looks like a total, like, like what is wrong with this guy? He doesn't even drive up straight. He like, you know, drives and swerves, hits some trash cans and swerves all over the place and zigzag here. And he stops and says, hey, is this you? You say, yeah, that's me. He says, get it. I'm going to take you to point B. Who's the fool? Who's the fool? If you get inside that car, you're the fool. What do I say? Don't you dare get in that car. Because there's very, very specific instructions for the qualified driver. Where you find the qualified driver, listen, it's safe to get inside. Just like the lady pastor. Oh, but the Bible says I got to submit to the pastor. And so I get inside this church and I submit myself to her. Well, when you don't understand formula, it might seem right. Remember the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its way is the way of destruction. But its end is the way of destruction. You see, you ain't getting to point, to point B. You see, every single one of us, we're in the same boat, myself included. We must understand formula. Formula for the pastor, formula for the, for the pew, formula for the pulpit, formula for the pew. You see? Just like in the camp of Israel, when everything's on point, when everything is beautiful, under the leadership of Joshua. So glorious, so beautiful. You got the divvying out of the land, the inheritance, and, you know, it's so beautiful. No, no, uh, no favoritism, no bribery, no trickery, you see? 
We see in verse 5, as the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Look at this process. I hate saying process. Just like the, just like, you know, the lot, you know, it's just like rolling dice. I like, you know, to explain it, I say rolling dice, but I don't like saying rolling dice because it's like, was it a gamble? No, it's not a gamble. But look at this process. And I hate saying process, but look at it. This lineage of instruction. God, who is the ultimate source to Moses, and he's obedient and faithful. You see? Moses to Joshua. And Joshua is obedient and faithful. Joshua to the next generation. You see? But now when you see from God to Moses, Moses to Joshua, now don't forget there's the doing part. And we're seeing it right now, the doing part. I mean, when Moses gave this instruction, he was speaking about an inheritance that he would die before that happens. But now we're at the inheritance part and it's like, hey, Joshua, you know, this is for you to fulfill. Just like we see with Paul and Timothy. Paul's at the end of the line. Remember, every last drop is being poured out as a drink offering. Beautiful, beautiful man of God. Faithful to the end. Timothy, it's run. This is you now. Run. It's your turn. You see? Titus, run. It's your turn. The next generation of leadership. And so we see here in verse 6, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, don't, don't forget, Caleb is of Judah, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. The, the, the Kenizzite. Now, not much is known about the Kenizzites. But we see something pretty beautiful here. That pre-law, you see a picture of grafting. That is outside of the law. Remember, there's provisions and statutes in the law. So when a non-Jew wants to uh, 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 graft into Israel, welcome them in. But pre-law, pre-statute, you have people who have done that already. I love that. It's so beautiful because it shows the power of promise, not law, promise unto Abraham. You see? And so we see here in verse 6, Caleb of Judah, and he says to Joshua, says in verse 6, that it said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Now, remember, of that first generation, all the first generation died except for two, Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two of that first generation that is entering the promised land, a type of Christ and a type of spirit. Caleb in Hebrew is like a force. And God says that he had a different spirit and has, you know, uh, speaking of Caleb says that he has followed me fully. That's from Numbers 14, verse 24. 
He has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Now, this is a, the good different spirit. You know, Paul speaks of a different spirit that is different from the Lord. When, when the Lord says that Caleb has a different spirit, it's different from everybody else who was afraid. The spirit of fear. Because remember, the recon mission that, that Moses sent out, where Caleb and Joshua, they were included with a group of men. They go out and they look at the area of Canaan. Remember verse 1 here in Joshua 14. You know, these are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan. But that first generation, the 11-day journey turned into 40 years because of their fear and the spirit of fear. Now, when the fear became endemic, the recon team, they came back and says, oh my goodness, these guys are giants. They're going to they're gonna kill us all. And so, listen, this isn't safe for us. And so that generation, they were concerned about the women and children. Even, you know, the women and children, we want them safe. And disobedience unto the Lord, women and children, not safe. Including the men. Now the chastisement of the Lord. Because of fear, this 11 days, it's going to be 40 years. And when Moses said to the people, they said, okay, we don't want 40 years. We want 11 days. You know, we'll be, you know, in two weeks time, we'll be in the promised land. And then the Lord says to Moses, no, no, no. Tell them not to go. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart. They had the spirit of fear. Only Joshua and Caleb, the only two of that first generation, that enter the promised land, a type of Christ and a type of spirit, Holy Spirit. Because when everybody had the spirit of fear, the Lord says, no, Caleb has a different spirit. A spirit that is not of fear. You see, Caleb, fearless. I mean, when he gave his report, he's like, let's take it. You know, let's handle business. I mean, Numbers 13, verse 30, he's like, you know, the Lord says, go, hey, let's go. Let's handle business. Yeah, they're giants, but you know what? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. I like Caleb. I like Caleb. Warrior. Beautiful. I mean, have you ever seen like little guys who are like, man, this little guy is tough. I had a friend growing up, he was a boxer. And like, you know, not, not to get carnal or anything, but you know, I saw him in a fight, you know, well, we were in a fight, but like he, he took care of everything. <laughs> so like he's a boxer and there's this big kid this, and he's like, you know, in his face. And then my friend just, you know, boom, 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 boom. Like, like the guy couldn't even breathe. It was like, whoa. I mean, it was a little guy. But man, those gloves were moving, or his fists were moving like boom, 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 boom. He was a boxer. Caleb, like, wow, you little, here you everybody's afraid of the Canaanites, big giants, like, we can't even take these guys, remember, this is a recon team, they come back, and, you know, and Moses says, okay, give us a report, you know, what, what, what did you see, you know, well, tell us about, well, you know, the, 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 your recon mission, how did it go, oh, we can't, well, these guys are giants, look, you know, we're like little pipsqueaks, and these guys, Oh my goodness, their pinky is the size of my thigh. You know, their head is the size of a cow. These guys are giants and we can't take them. They're going to kill us. Then you have little Caleb. Come on, let's handle business. I love that. Everybody had the spirit of fear. Caleb, hey, the Lord says, let's go. So come on, who's on board? Let's go. 
Caleb and Joshua were the bad guys. Remember our study in the book of no in, 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 in the book of uh, 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 Numbers? Caleb and Joshua were the bad guys. You see? They were different. There's something different about these guys. And that's what you see all throughout the Bible. There's something different about this guy. There's something different about this lady. There's something different about this kid. There's something different about this old guy. Not like the average bears. They're just something different. And that's what you see in Caleb and Joshua. And so you see, here you have Caleb and Joshua once again. Caleb who approaches Joshua and says, you know, in verse 6, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. In verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. This is, you know, he's given an account of the recon mission and he's given an account, but you know, Joshua was there too. There's a little, little refresher. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. I love that. Because in the heart of everybody else was fear. And the fear of the recon team, it was endemic and it spread to the camp of Israel and everybody was afraid. Oh my goodness, the recon team, they're saying these guys are giants. Oh my goodness, the recon team, they're saying that the guy's little pinky toe is the size of like a human head and not just the average human head, but like a big human head. The guy's pinky toe. How can we take these people there? They're gonna kill, they're gonna slaughter us. They're gonna like flick their fingers and we're gonna like die. They're just they're they're too mighty. Then you got little Caleb. Let's handle business. The Lord says, let's go. Okay, let's fulfill the word of the Lord. Okay, let's be fearless. Let's go handle business. And here in verse 7, Caleb's giving an account. Listen, I just I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Let's go fight. You see? A different spirit from the majority. And don't forget what is written in Numbers 14 in verse 24 that he followed God fully. Fully. Not willy-nilly. Fully. In verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. You see, they give the report, these guys are giants. The guy's neck is this, like a, a redwood tree trunk. The guy's thighs are enormous. You see? And the people's hearts melted in fear. And giving an account in verse 8, he says, But I wholly followed the Lord my God. My God. I love that. My God. It reminds me of Jacob. Remember how Jacob, in our, if you've been walking with us for a while, but in our, in our study in, in Genesis, how Jacob would always say, the God of my father, the God of my father, the God of my father, the God of my father. And then he wrestled with the Lord, got messed up a little bit. His hip was out of place. And then he started acknowledging the Lord as my God. Where prior to that moment, you know, you don't see my God, my God. You see the God of my father, the God of my father's. But then post-wrestling match, my God. I want to say something to kids. 
my young brothers, my young sisters. I don't care how old you are. You, you might be three. I can maybe understand a little bit of what I'm saying. You might be 10. You might be 8. You might be 6. You might be 11. You might be 13. You might be 16. You might be 17. I love you. My beautiful young brother, my beautiful young sister. But I see this a lot with kids. Where kids are obedient to parents, which is a good thing, and that's not a bad thing. It's good to be obedient to parents. And when you understand formula and you know you have a godly mom and a godly dad, and okay, but you know, obey your parents. But you must understand formula because you know you can't be obedient to when dad is crazy, when mom is crazy, you cannot be obedient to them. You can respect them and honor them. But dad says, you know, here, here's 50 bucks. Go to the corner and buy me some crack. You say, no, I'm not doing that. You see, because parents can abdicate their responsibility as covering. But if you're a child, you respect them, you honor them. They make their choice. You make your choice with the covering of Jesus Christ over you. You obedient to Jesus Christ. You see. And sometimes kids, it's like, yeah, I read my Bible because, you know, mom told me to read my Bible. Yeah, I pray because mom told me to pray. Which, I'm not suggesting that these are bad things. But, you might be 8 years old, you might be 12 years old, you might be 15 years old. And the Lord, Jesus, it could be that he is mom's Jesus. It could be that he is dad's Jesus. And you read the Bible, you pray. And I'm not saying that it's bad when Jesus is mom's Jesus or it's bad when Jesus is dad's Jesus. I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But what's bad? My beautiful young brother, my beautiful young sister, and I love you. What's bad is when Jesus is not your Jesus. That's not good. Sometimes kids want nothing to do with Jesus because they have defunct mom and defunct dad and the kids see the hypocrisy and I've talked with these kids. Why, what, what, why, are, you so, why are you so opposed to Jesus? I asked them. Why are you so opposed? And they say, I want nothing to do with Jesus. You know why? Because my mom believes in Jesus and look at what he's done. My dad believes in Jesus and look at what he's done. Not look at what, not look at what dad has done and what mom has done. Well, there's that too. But they blame the work of mom and dad on Jesus. I want nothing to do with Jesus. They say, I want nothing to do with Jesus because look at what, you know, my mom believes in Jesus and look what Jesus has done. My dad believes in Jesus but and look at what Jesus has done. I want nothing to do with Jesus. Because the kids see ruin. The, kid, the kids see pain and destruction. The kids see divorce. The kids see, you know, the alcoholism, the drugs, the beatings. The kids see it. The divorce, the separations. The kids see the pornography, the dad who's doing his pornography, the dad who's, you know, going to the strippers. 
and to talk to these kids. Why, why are you so opposed to Jesus? And they say, look what Jesus has done. Because mom believes in Jesus, dad believes in Jesus, look at what he has done. Listen, my young brother, my young sister, and I love you. The Bible warns of multiple Jesus, multiple Christs. You see? Several things are in play. They might believe in the biblical Jesus, but they obey him not. Or it could be that they believe and abide in a fake Jesus. You see? But there's a real Jesus. My young brother, my young sister, do not blame him. Because in him, there is peace. In him, there is hope. In him, there's the fullness of joy. And don't shut him off on account of defunct mom and defunct dad. And a lot of kids do that. 18 years old, they leave the house and boom, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Hello world, here I am. You know those parents? Those parents, you know, we're talking Lake of Fire territory. We're talking, you know, Millstone. And for my younger brothers and sisters, I love you, I love you, I love you. Consider me your older brother. You know, you you might have defunct mom and dad. Don't don't blame Jesus. Understand that mom and dad are defunct. You see, I mean, if that's if that situation applies to you, <laughs> you see, mom and dad, you know, sometimes parents they get so. How do I say this? They get so. And it's good. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but sometimes parents get so zealous for their kids to walk with the Lord, which isn't a bad thing at all. It is lovely, it is beautiful. But sometimes a child in the child's heart. They feel more manipulated than they do kind of where where in, instead of instead of rolling out the mat where a kid can choose to enter, a parent like throws the kid in like you know you have no choice, son, and throw the kid in. you have no choice, daughter, throw you in the door, and the parents have the zeal. I want my kids to walk with the Lord. And so the parent picks up the kid and throws him in the door. No, that can't be done. That's that's when you get into like manipulative acts. Coercion. Parents, I love you. But entry to the kingdom isn't by coercion. You see? And parents, I love you. But kids, sometimes mom and dad might be defunct. 
you know, and the fruit therein, the fruit, like, okay, when you have mom and dad or you funk, you're, you, you see the fruit of that, and it's ugly fruit, it's nasty fruit, it's rotten fruit. And I've had these conversations with kids where they tell, just point blank, I want nothing to do with you. I, I love kids, I, I love, you know, because it's like, you know, you know, when I talk to adults, it's like, you know, you know, I don't like to beat around the bush, all this explaining. But when I talk to kids, it's like, you know, there is, there is no beating around the bush. You can just be point blank. I can be point blank with the kids. The kids can be point blank with me and let's just get down to business. You know, let's just, let's just hash it out. Let's talk. Let's discuss and let's not, you know, beat around the bush. But when you talk to adults, like, oh, like on and on and on and on and on and on. Like a two hour conversation could have been like two minutes. Because they're beating around the bush, you know. When you talk to kids, it's like, boom, point blank. I love that. But, you know, if you're a kid, you might have defunct mom, defunct dad, which means, you know, you see the defunctness in the fruit of their works. Where you hear me say home, but home for you is terror. And there's the coercion too. Another scenario would be where, you know, mom and dad, you know, but they believe in the Lord. They love the Lord. They fear the Lord, but they're throwing you in the door. Capital D. They're throwing you. That cannot be done. That We're talking coercion. Parents, I love you, but understand. The child must choose for themselves. And for my beautiful young brothers and sisters. There comes a point in life where the Jesus of mom and dad, the biblical Jesus, you know, which of mom and dad might not be the biblical Jesus. You know, they might be, you know, in crazy town. But there comes a point in your life when the biblical Jesus must become Yours. I say must because that's what I want, but even I can't throw you in the door. You have to choose. You know, for my young brothers and sisters, the world that has appeal, I'm the first to admit the world does have appeal. There is an appeal to everything that's in the world. I get it. But I don't say these things to you from the perspective of, you know, like I've never tasted of that. I tell you from experience. The the appeal of the sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards, I've tasted, I've seen, and I tell you the truth, it is ugly, it is rotten. The very door that I want you to enter, I've tasted and I've seen, and it is beautiful. And God is good. The Lord is good. Just as he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But a child, you might be 12 years old. And the whole time, you know, you believe in Jesus, but you believe in the Jesus of your mom. You might be 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 years old. You believe in Jesus, but you believe in the Jesus of dad. I say gently, cut it out. 
Believe in the biblical Jesus who is yours. You see? Look at Caleb. Look at Caleb here in verse 8. Remember, remember that what was endemic in the camp of Israel? Fear. The spirit of fear. And in verse 8, in giving this account, first person account, he says, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Remember, the recon team, they were afraid. And when they gave a report to the people, the people were afraid. But in Caleb, he doesn't say, but I wholly followed the Lord, period, in verse 8. He says, I wholly followed the Lord, my God. Because the Lord was his Lord. You see? The Lord was his. The Lord was his. And he was the Lord's. I mean, look, just the fact that he's here, you know, in the promised land says a lot. When everybody else of that generation, dead, no promised land. Just the fact that he and Joshua are here having this this discussion about inheritance says a lot like these two guys are different. They're different. Not like the average bear. You might be five. You might be eight. You might be nine. You might be 12. You might be 15. You might be 16. And this whole time you've believed in Jesus. But the Jesus of mom. The Jesus of dad. And I gently, 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 gently tell you. Parents are going to get mad at me. Like, cut it out. Don't do that. (laughs) But I say to you, my young brother, my young sister, don't do that. Believe in the biblical Jesus, but make him yours. Make him yours. Because when the Lord is yours, look at Caleb. When the Lord is yours, look at Hannah. When the Lord is yours, look at Samuel. When the Lord is yours, look at Chloe. Look at little Timmy. When the Lord is yours. A great cloud of witnesses so greatly surrounds us. When the Lord is yours. You see? And when the Lord says, you know... You know, you shall be my people and I shall be your God. How sweet is that verse? When you abide in Christ and Christ in you and you know in the depths of your soul, he is mine. Personal. Now religion. Religion can't touch this. Relationship. You see? And so we continue here in verse 9. So Moses swore swore on that day. Saying. In verse 9. Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have 
wholly followed the Lord my God. You see, look at how, you see the, the, these beautiful, beautiful vessels. They don't just say followed the Lord. Moses says, the Lord my God. Joshua says, the Lord my God. Caleb says, the Lord my God. You see, it's seen among the righteous. Old Testament, New Testament. Even today. According to holy formula. When the Lord is yours. You see? In accordance to holy formula. When you hear somebody say, oh yeah, he's my Jesus, let's go grave soaking. Wrong formula. That's another Jesus. You see? Or you get the study Bible guy standing at the pulpit. Doctorate in theology. Honor, honorary doctorate. Doctorate in theology. Oh, let's take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Study Bible guy. He's my Jesus. Nope, sorry. Wrong Jesus. You see? Oh, God is done with Israel, a replacement theology. God is all done. Now his promises are not no longer to Israel, they're to, to, to the church. He is my Jesus. Wrong. Wrong formula. That's another Jesus. That's not the biblical Jesus. You see? People can say he's my Jesus till they're blue in the face. But when you know formula, people say, oh, he's my Jesus. He's my Jesus. Let's go grave soaking. He's my Jesus. He's my Jesus. Let's take the mark of the beast. He'll still be saved. Just like study Bible guy says. Wrong formula. Another Jesus. The kind that the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, says, you know, that there will be many. And the real Jesus warns us against. You see? But the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, you and me, the remnant, can say, he is mine. You see? The marriage of this and these truths in a fellowship, ecclesia, a body of those who are called, is very very special, very, very rare, and very, very beautiful. See, Satan knows this formula. He doesn't want any church to look like what we see in the book of Acts. And judging by what we see in the church today, just judging by the, the state of the church today, we also see that Satan is very effective. A form formidable foe. But we serve the Most High. The Most High. There's none higher than Him. He is the Most High. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see? In a fellowship... It's probably not going to be the, you know, it's not, you're not going to have a lot of people. The, the age of the megachurch is over. I mean, you might see megachurches, but, you know, we're talking judgment. Megachurch here, megachurch there, you know, judgment comes first to the church. But the tiny church, the home fellowship, the church of the last days, new wine flowing from new wineskin. 
the gifts of the Spirit, love feast. It's a church like you see in the book of Acts. Powerful and mighty in the Lord. Warriors of the last days. Very specific formula, which is easy. I'm not trying to suggest that it's hard in any way, shape, or form because it really is quite easy. Remember Paul when he says, I'm I'm afraid for you to the saints in Corinth. I'm afraid for you because you might turn away. You, you're, you, you turn away so quickly from the simplicity that is in Christ. Why? Because they listen to the preacher guy. The preacher guy, the servant of Satan. Who comes with a different spirit, a different gospel, and a different Jesus. You see? And when that happens, the Lord becomes forgotten. Just like what happened in Israel, and just like what happened in the early church, when the Lord becomes forgotten, and just like what's going to happen big time in the last days. Just like what is happening big time today. The biblical Jesus the word became flesh. He says, I and my father are one. God is forgotten. See? And yet in the full counsel of scripture, you have male, female, young, old vessels in accordance to different dispensations in their time period and people who honor the Lord and Holy follow the Lord, and they say of the Lord, He is my God. My God. And it could be the God of my mom, the God of my dad. But also, my God. You see? That's for all of us. You see? That's for every single one of us, a remnant of these last days. It's for every single one of us, for the Lord to be my God. For the Lord to be your God. For the Lord to be our God. And where do you see that? In accordance to recipe, in accordance to formula. Understanding that there's a formula for pulpit and a formula for pew and a formula for sanctuary that's what you look for that's what you strive for that's what you fight for you see and there will be threats threats on individuals threats on family threats on the pastor seduction of satan because satan and the demonic realm, they don't want that from ever happening. The marriage of these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things in accordance to beautiful, beautiful, holy recipe. See? And so we continue in verse 10. This is Caleb speaking to Joshua in verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. You see, these guys are old. These guys are old. 
They're not spring chickens anymore. But I love this so much. Look at look at, look at Caleb. <laughs> I love Caleb. He says in verse 11, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. <laughs> I love this guy. He's hardcore. You know, it's like, okay, you know, back when I was the spring chicken, we got to handle business. Okay, let's handle business. Now he's an old man. We got to handle business. Let's handle business. Beautiful. I love that. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, for combat, to fight, to engage. Now for my old brothers and sisters, you might be... 42, <laughs> you might be 49, you might be 68, you might be 72, you might be 92, you might be 111. Fight the good fight. Not in accordance to the flesh. That's what's so powerful. I mean, if our fight as believers were according to the flesh, you know, we might be in a situation where we say, okay, you're old, stay home. You're an old lady, you're an old guy, stay home because, you know, you can't even pick up the sword anymore. You can't even pick up the shield anymore because, you know, the fight would be according to the flesh. But praise be to the Lord, our fight is not according to the flesh. You could be in a wheelchair and fight valiantly. You could have a walker. And be the most valiant warrior on the battlefield. Male, female, I don't care. Just like Paul. It just so happens, it just so happens. Paul, you know, at the end of the road, but he's still handling business. Remember? He's saying, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. And then you figure, okay, he's at the end of the road. Nobody's with them. People are leaving him. Okay, you know, just, you know, die a happy man in prison. He's like, no, bring me the parchments. I got to write. Bring me the parchments. I'm still handling business. You might be 98 years old. Carnally speaking, you can't fight. But praise be to the Lord, our fight is not carnal. It's spiritual. You can pray. Pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the saints in the fellowship. You can pray hardcore. And engage. And fight the good fight. And you know what's so beautiful? Nobody has to know. You don't have to like, you know, tell everybody, hey, I was praying hardcore for you. You don't have to tell anybody. You know why? Your Father in Heaven sees. And so great a crown awaits you, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister. Now you might be old. My beautiful old brother, my beautiful old sister. But praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. That's what's so beautiful about our family. Not biological, spiritual, 
heirs of Abraham according to faith because you might be eight years old and you believe in Jesus Christ and you know Jesus Christ isn't the Jesus of your mom or your dad Jesus Christ is straight up your Jesus and you're linked shields with you know a, a, a Christian a brother sister in Christ who's 85 years old 103 years old and you have a 103 year old warrior and you have an eight-year-old warrior shields linked swords drawn fighting the good fight i mean carnally speaking you know you take a military general and say about to go to combat you know where are my guys where are my guys and you know old you know 85 year old lady comes up eight-year-old girl comes up you're like what what is this i can't go to i can't go to war like this carnally speaking that may be true Spiritually speaking, I say, let's get it on. Let's get it on. You're 98 years old. You're eight years old. Hey, let's link shields. Let's get it on. Let's fight the good fight. Let's handle business. You see? No spirit of fear. A different spirit than the status quo. A spirit of the Lord. The, the spirit of the Lord that is fearless only this we fear the lord and only him you see i'm so in love with caleb he's hardcore i love this guy he's 85 years he's an old codger and he's speaking which i'm just the fact that these two guys are speaking everybody of their generation dead he says in verse 11, I'm as yet, I'm as strong this day. He's 85 years old. He says, listen, I was like 40. When, 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 when that first account, he's like, I, I, I was a lot younger. And he says in verse 11, I'm, I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for combat, for war. Both for going out and for coming in. It just so happens, it just so happens, we spoke about this on Sunday. It just so happens, it just so happens. Remember Paul to Timothy, speaking about the state of readiness in season and out of season, the state of readiness. Caleb is speaking on the same things. In closing, we see here in verse 12, Now therefore, give me this mountain. <laughs> I'm so in love with this guy. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. <laughs> I mean, he's an old guy. I mean, have you ever seen like old guys? You talk to old veterans, you know, old veterans are like, oh, yeah, you know what? You know, if this happens, oh, yeah, you know, if, if the U.S. gets invaded, you know, those guys better know what's coming to them because, man, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. You get this old, old codger, you know, old veteran who's seen like, you know, the, the, the terrors of war, except, you know, that was like, you know, he's accustomed to it. Not to say that that's a good thing, but, you know, these guys speak differently than the average person. But you hear these old guys. I mean, if you have like, you know, old veteran friends, you know, the old codgers, you know. How they speak, you know, not a lot of World War II guys, these very thin lines, but like Korean War guys. You talk to these old guys, these old codgers. I had a friend who was a, a pilot in the Korean War, and he would speak, you know, would share war stories, and, you know, when he would speak, it's like, <laughs> and how, you know, he's an old codger, you know, he would speak, and it's like, he, he, 
He's he still got the goods, you know. He might his body might not be able to put out, but you know he can, he still got the goods in his mind, you know. And that's what I think of these old codgers, you know. That's like you know Caleb here, eighty five years old. I'm right, you know. I, I'm as strong this day as you know. As, as, I'm, I'm as strong today as back then. The strength that I had then is my strength I have now. We got to get it on. Let's get it on. The threat comes. Okay. Let's handle business. You say like pastors retiring. I've always wondered like what's up with that? I mean if a pastor retires it better be the Lord that says hey it's time for you to retire. And you say pastors okay you know I'm going to pass the pass the church on to my son you know he's a godly man little you know little does anybody know the kid's a sex head doing his crack doing his drugs oh I'm going to pass on the church to you know if they treat church like it's a business can't do that you know biblically speaking you can't do that. Because the next generation of leadership better be a godly man. Better be a godly man. You may, well, I like this guy. He's a nice guy. So you know, I'm, I'm going to pass the church on to him. No, that's, not the, that's the wrong formula. Oh, is my son. Is my son the next next generation of leadership. And he's, he's co-pastor. And now I'm going to retire. And he's going to be pastor. And everybody in the the, 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 the pews, they're like, oh, okay. You know, look, nice godly man is passing on to another godly man. And that's not how godliness works. Godliness isn't like, you know, go from, you know, when you see a, a godly person in a home, don't think that everybody in that home is godly. I mean, prophetically speaking, that will never be the case. Prophetically speaking, because, you know, a man's enemies will be those in his own house. I mean, the ratio of godliness under one roof, it's not 100%. Prophetically speaking. I mean, let's be point blank. You see? And yet, that's what you see today, you know? And then you see pastors, that they retire. Well, I'm announcing my retirement, and I'm going to go live on the beach and, you know, do this. And But look at Paul. No retirement for Paul. I mean, like, he's going to the very end. Hit the, the last drop. Pastors today need to take lesson from these vessels as a pattern. You see? I mean, if you're an old pastor... And the formula is right in you? What's stopping you? Keep going. I mean, if the Lord says retire, then, you know, absolutely retire. But if the Lord hasn't said retire, keep going. Keep going. Well, did the Lord say stop? You see? Keep going. Praise be to the Lord. That's like Caleb here. Yeah, like Paul, you know, to the last drop being poured out. You figure, okay, you know, Paul, you know, take a break, you know, take a nap. Take a, you're, you, yes, you're going to be beheaded and, you know, just, you know, end of the road. So you're done, you know, just take it easy. No. To the last drop. Yeah, the saints in Asia have left. You get the bright lights, big city seduced. People are leaving. Okay, that's nice. Timothy, bring my parchments. I'm writing my letters. Bring the books. Bring the parchments. You see? To the last drop, I'm fighting. Warrior. 
How beautiful is it for Timothy to see that example? So Timothy can keep going and running his race till he's an old man, till the last drop. You see? Just like Caleb. Old man, and he's like, okay, you know, hey, we got to go to war. Let's handle business. I'm an old codger, but you know what? Let's handle business. We can still get it on. And then he says in verse 12, Now therefore give me this mountain, making his, <laughs> his, his request. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. In that day. Now, so, you know, 45 years ago, a mountain was reserved for him. And now he's receiving it, this mountain. Well done, Caleb. Well done, Caleb. Faithful Caleb. When the spirit of fear was endemic, he didn't have that spirit. He had another spirit, the spirit of the Lord. Well done, Caleb. But for you, it's the same. It's the exact same. Is it a mountain? I mean, I don't want to say no. We'll table that study for another day. But it just so happens we studied this on Sunday. The crown. Which crown is it? There's only one. What the Bible says, there's this crown, this crown, this crown. There's five different crowns. Where does the Bible say they're different? The Bible lists attributes of a crown. But why do people assume that it's different crown? You, 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 you wake up on Monday, you, in heaven, you wake up on Monday, put on a crown. You wake up on Tuesday, put on a different crown. Is that how it works? Why are there different crowns? I say attributes of the exact same crown and the crown awaits you my beautiful brother my beautiful sister i don't care how young you are i don't care how old you are i don't care female male i don't care old young that's nice you abide in christ stay in christ you do that and purpose to do that there's a crown right now as we speak. No head yet. No head. But that crown, it's reserved for you. And one day it will be placed on your head. And you will hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You see? There's a very specific recipe, which is super easy, but very specific, super specific. And so we continue. He says, give me this mountain <laughs> of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. And that the cities were great and fortified. Now, you know, back then, you know, seemingly great. Uh, like, like, who could accomplish this? I mean, back then, I mean, when, 
when all these things were future events, when Moses and jo- or when when Moses was alive and Joshua and Caleb were younger men, a great task ahead of them. You know that you know we gotta you know we're gonna be in the wilderness for forty years, and you know it would have been nice if it were eleven days, but you know the formula was right in Caleb and Joshua, but you know they were part of the assembly of Israel and unto Israel, okay, the 11-day journey became 40 years. But now we're at the period of inheritance. All those things in the past which may have seemed like may have seemed like a a big task at hand would not to suggest that they were afraid of it because they certainly weren't afraid of it. Caleb absolutely wasn't afraid of it. He was like, you know, straight up when everybody else was afraid, he was like, you know, let's go handle business. But now we're in the aftermath of that. And it's all done. You know, sometimes as Christians, we look at prophetic events, the things that lie ahead of us, which the Bible says will be perilous. I'm not going to suggest that, that, you know, it's going to be a piece of cake. Perilous, times of sorrows, tribulation, Great tribulation. But one day, all of it, all of it, one day it's going to be history. One day. Not today. But one day it's going to be history. It's... We kind of lose sight of eternity when we look at the here and now. I mean, not to suggest that we can't look at the here and now, because there are moments in time when we absolutely have to look at the here and now. But to be so forward-looking, people always focus on the rapture, the rapture, the rapture, the rapture. Oh, so forward-looking to the rapture. No, no, no. Even beyond that. When? the, the, The beginning of the millennial reign? No. Further. Mm, thousand years further New Jerusalem home paradise Zion to be so forward looking to the New Jerusalem all the hardships that lie ahead of us Today, they're going to be history. You see? And when you start seeing things in, in the scope of eternity and eternal, I don't want to scare you, but eternal consequences too. <laughs> Understanding formula. And you understand like, oh my goodness, Lord, you're so good because you showed us the way. You taught us the way. You're teaching us the way. You are the way. The truth and the life. And you and me together can fall deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. But this cannot be mandated. It cannot be coerced. I can't pick you up and just like parents with their kids, nobody can pick you up and throw you in the door. No, you have to taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to choose for yourself. 
If you're listening and you still haven't repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I say unto you, let today be the day of salvation. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to, how to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you commit your life to Christ. You'll never be the same. In a most beautiful, exquisite way, you'll never be the same. And I tell you from experience. We continue here in verse 12. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord says. So, you know, it's like whether he's 40 years old, ready for war. 85 years old, ready for war. And this is the way of the warrior. Male, female, young, old, I don't care. Warriors, according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. According to the spirit. In verse 13, and Joshua blessed him. Beautiful. And gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, God of Israel. My God, he says. My God. Just like Moses, my God. Just like Joshua, my God. Just like Anna, my God. Just like Samuel, my God. Just like Eunice, my God. Just like Lois, my God. Just like little Timmy, my God. The Lord was personal. Wasn't an, an object. Sometimes that happens in churches among Christians. God becomes an object. No, when he's personal, he's not an object. The Lord is the Lord. It's personal. He's yours. And you are his. In verse 15, in closing, And the name of Hebron, formerly known as Kirjath Arba, which is city of giants or city of four giants. Now, remember, Big people inhabited those lands. Big people who instilled fear. The spirit of fear, which became endemic in the camp of Israel, except Caleb. He had a different spirit. Not a different spirit, the bad kind, a different spirit, the good kind. Everybody else was fearful. He wasn't. The spirit of fear was in everybody, but not him. See, he feared the Lord. And the Lord said, fight. You see? Fearless. In verse 15, Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. You see? You see this war footing In our previous studies, you hear us mention the war footing of Israel. And when you see that there's rest from war, praise be to the Lord that there's rest from war. But when there's rest from war, there's always the footing of the warrior, which is war readiness. Understand that in accordance to scripture, in accordance to truth, to everything, there is a season. To everything, there is a season. 
And here we see rest from war. For you and me, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're of the Spirit. They're very powerful, very powerful. But there's very specific instructions for use in spiritual war. And it's the ways of the warrior according to the Spirit. To the beautiful people of the way. A remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.